This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. The catalogue for the 2020 Classic Yearling Sale is now available. In total, 808 yearlings have been catalogued over three days, 613 in Book 1, 195 in the Highway Session. Book 1 will take place on Sunday, February the 9th, Monday the 10th and the morning of the 11th, with the Highway Session beginning as soon as Book 1 is completed. The Classic Sale has produced eight Group 1 winners since 2018, including four Group 1 winning two-year-olds or three-year-olds in Sydney and Melbourne. Of the 808 lots catalogued, 734 are Bob's eligible. To request a catalogue, email catalogue at inglis.com.au or call 9399-7999. Catalogues are also available for the English Premier Sale in Melbourne, March the 1st to March the 3rd. The 2020 English Yearling Sale round is about to begin. Kevin Moses was 48 years old when a horror run of injuries brought his brilliant riding career to an end in 2001. Ten months earlier, he'd broken both wrists and an elbow in a three-horse fall at Randwick and had only just resumed when disaster struck again. It was, in fact, his very first ride back on a horse trained by the late Guy Walter. The horse unloaded Kev on its way to the barrier and the jockey elected to hang on to the reins. The horse then reared up and actually contacted Kevin's vest on the way down, breaking five of his ribs. Convinced that the gods were trying to tell him something, the three-time premiership winning jockey decided to quit the only job he'd ever known. He said he'd never train horses, but the boredom set in after a year or so and he agreed to try one horse a horse called Redwine Johnny. He only gave Redwine Johnny four starts, but he did win a maiden with him at Kembla Grange and he rather enjoyed the experience. Before long, he had six or seven horses in work. A couple of years later, the team had grown to 20. He and wife Jenny ran a very professional operation and the winners flowed for the next decade. Today, largely due to a chronic shortage of stabling at Randwick, he has only one horse in work, Quick Finance, with whom he won a race at Kembla Grange last year. Kevin Moses has been in the racing game for half a century and he's got some great stories to tell. It's a delight to welcome him to the podcast. Thanks for your time, Kev. Good to catch up. Yeah, it sounds very nice, John. Well, it's all true. Yeah. It just makes you realise, it emphasises how quickly the years have gone. Yeah, it's, it's 50 years, you know, uh, went into stables when I was 15. Um, I, was, I, I did a paper run before the I went to stables and uh, I was getting $6 a week mm. and went into stables and worked, oh, must have worked 60 hours a week and got $4 a week. <laughs> a bad business arrangement. Yeah. Now, Kev, this horse you've got, Quick Finance, gives you a reason to get out of bed 
and you do enjoy the company of many old mates at Randwick early morning. John, he makes me cry. He's got so much ability. And if, he, if I don't put blinkers on him, he won't go. If I put blinkers on, he goes too hard. Yeah. And if he's just ridden right and sits behind, his last two starts, he's led. Um, I'm going to run him again next week, and he's got to be ridden quiet. And be ridden, I'm sure he can win another race. Mm. So, mate, he's, he's just—he's got to grow up. <laughs> he's grown up, but yeah. but it, as you say, I, I I get to the track of a morning and speak to the Lee brothers who were apprentice with me at the same time, and uh, mm. you know, speak to everyone down at the track. Uh, Neville Boyd gets there; he comes down and has a look, and mm. you know, it's, it's speak to Ronnie Quinton, and you know, uh, it's good to talk to some of the boys every morning instead of staying at home. Yeah. You rode work for years after turning to training, but I think you've given it away now, haven't you? I gave it away um, probably three weeks ago. My my, I've got to get a re- replacement uh, um, next week mm. on the 20th of my knee, and it was just too much pain, just keep putting it up. So um, mm. I stopped and, yeah, but I, that's, the main part of the job I loved, you know, to get on one and to just take you around, it's mm. it's a great feeling. Mm. Kevin, 2015, your world turned upside down when one of your horses, Felix Bay, returned an elevated cobalt reading after finishing unplaced in a race at Hawkesbury. Now, initially, the appeals panel issued you with a fine, but the appeals tribunal reverted to a disqualification and you were gobsmacked? Well, I explained to the appeals committee exactly what I'd done. Um, I, I'd give the horses before they race uh, a vitamin B injection and go forwarder. It doesn't make them run any faster. It just helps them to recover. Mm. And this horse was a bleeder. Uh, so we took the water off him early and everything just stayed in his system a bit longer and yeah so mm. I end up getting 12 months mm. and and the 12 months really meant life to me because I couldn't get any more stables when I come back yeah. uh, and I was lucky that Greg Lee gave me one and Pat Webster gave me one one was turned into a feed room and one was turned into a box for my horse mm. uh, I've, I've, I've applied on many occasions just to take you know half a dozen because I've still got a few owners that want to give me horses and that, and half a dozen would have been nice. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, Randwick at them doesn't really want little trainers there, so, you know, I kept missing out. Mm. Anyway, don't give up, mate. Your first winner as a trainer was in town. It was a mare called Com Here, 18th of May 2002 at Rose Hill, and your old mate was the jockey, Darren Beedman, and you were thrilled to bits. I got Darren to ride him work, and he didn't because she was so lazy. He didn't want to. He didn't want to ride her. And then, anyway, we had the, a lunch on the on the Sunday. I said, Darren, you should ride this. I'm telling you, it goes better than you think. Mm. Um, Alan Bailey helped me a lot, and it was one of Alan Bailey's horses, mm. and it got travel sick coming back from Melbourne and he asked me to look after it and then he just told me I could have it. Mm. 
So, um, yeah, I've got to thank Alan Bailey a lot for that. Mm. Alan's a great friend of yours. You rode for him a lot, of course, during your days as a jockey. Uh, he took a real interest in your career, didn't he, when you turned to training? He, if I ever had a problem, I'd just ring him and uh, mm. he'd talk to some of the vets and then you'd ring Alan and you'd listen to uh, what Alan had to say. You know, he'd been around for a long time and uh, he he was the guy that told me that the Coforder and the vitamin B injections just helps recovery, mm. you know. So, um, no, he was very, very good to me and, and we still keep in touch. The other trainer, of course, to have a marked influence on your career was your former master, Neville Begg, and I've often thought uh, there was a little bit of Neville Begg in your training technique. Well, Neville was the hardest worker you've ever seen, you know, and I was the only apprentice that started with him and finished with him. He had a lot of apprentices, Mm. but they come late in their career or they left early in their career. But uh, he used to to work very hard himself, Um, and he's... Two boys, Martin, well, then Graham was a bit younger then, but Martin and Neil, you know, they, they, they did a lot of work on the Saturdays and Sunday afternoons and, and you're throwing rolls up. And yeah. As, as an apprentice those days, it, we, we did everything. We mowed the lawns, we washed the towels, we, you know, like it was, it was a long morning every morning mm. and uh, used to sleep good at night, I know that. <laughs> Just looking at a few other horses that got you up and going as a trainer, you had a lot of time for a horse called All Gonna Do It. Now, you didn't have him for very long because the owners decided to sell him to Hong Kong, but you did win the Royal Palmer Stakes with him, you did win the Newcastle Spring Stakes with him, and in that particular race he beat Lonro's brother, Niello. Yeah, he was a very good horse. We, we bought him from New Zealand for the people, mm. um, and then they they just got off it too much. So I got off at four hundred thousand for him. So it was too hard to win four hundred thousand mm. in Sydney those days. Um, so, but then they went and they bought me a few others after it. So mm. they were very good owners. A horse called Chosen Light was pretty good for you too. He was the first one you ever trained by the great Dane Hill and he came from a high-profile stable and then you were able to win with him pretty quickly at Rose Hill. I See, I, I spent a lot of time and I, I used to go take him to the beach, you know, probably two or three times a week and um, sometimes, well, Jenny used to ride also and we... We'd go across to Centennial Park and go around Centennial Park. We can't get there now with the tra- trams there and the, too much traffic, but we could walk from our stable straight across into the park. And uh, a lot of those horses, just just something different, uh, yeah. just, just helped them. No wine, no song. Kev is clearly the best horse you've trained so far. A really good stayer, not the soundest horse in the world. You won a Lord Mayor's Cup with him. You won the Chairman's Handicap twice and the 2008 Sydney Cup. You really loved him. Yeah, he was uh, he was a gentleman. Um, a lot of kids learnt to ride on him. Mitch Beedman 
he learnt to ride on him. He, he he was first come into the stables when Mitch first come in. He come to me and uh, old wine. He'd just go around the track and uh, yeah, he he was very good. He he done both tendons and he had a colic operation. So mm. you know there was a few things that that he went through, but he was just a, a great horse and we were getting him ready for Melbourne and then the EI comes. So mm. uh, he was a good old owner, old Joe O'Gara. Yeah. You know, great, great man. And bred all of his own horses, didn't he? Bred them all. You know, oh. they, uh, he bought Songakara from, from Ireland, but he, he his breeding was just one of the best. But Joe didn't commercialise him, you know, he just kept them on his place and, didn't want other horses coming there and annoying him and that. So, mm. you know, he could have been a, a a real good commercial stallion if he let him out. You mentioned a short time ago that you continued to ride track work up until three weeks ago when the old knee gave out. You did it because of a constant shortage of really good work riders. They're hard to find. You did it because it enabled you to keep tabs on every horse in the stable. But most of all, you did it because you enjoyed it. You just love that daily communication with horses. John, and another thing, you got that feeling one day you'd be riding them and I, I got to 60 kilos and they give you that feeling. You say, geez, I got that feel when I was 50 kilos. Mm. Now I'm 10 kilos heavier and they're still giving me, I think I'll have a few dollars on this one this week. You know, so it was, it was, um, it was enjoyable. So your judgment never waned. You were always a good judge. John, we were, we were brought up on times. Mm. The jockeys these days aren't brought up on times. We were brought up. And like all the jockeys that are around in those days, Ron Quinton, Darren Beedman, Mick Dittman, Shane Dyer, Malcolm Johnson, Glenn Boss, all those type of jockeys, mm. you, they'd be riding track work every morning and they'd be – Tommy Smith would say, oh, you've gone a second too quick. And you'd say, please, what's a second? But a second, six lengths. Yeah. And Neville Begg would, Neville Begg would say, you know. So we learned our times. Um, uh, yeah, and it, coming to a, a, it was great help, a great help knowing times. Mm. Kevin, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Kevin Moses after this. Of all the new initiatives introduced in recent years by Racing New South Wales, none have been more widely acclaimed than the weekly TAB Highway races. Introduced four years ago, the TAB Highways have proven to be a tremendous stimulus for country racing stables as new owners constantly look for the right horses to bring to town. At first, Trainers like Matt Dunn, Danny Williams and Terry Robinson dominated the highways, but nowadays the results prove that many and varied stables have learned to identify the kind of horse they need to travel down the highway. $75,000 in prize money and an assortment of race distances are making these races highly competitive and stimulating healthy betting trends. The TAB highways are a big part of the new world of Sydney racing. Your son Shane had a lot of success as a jockey before weight and illness forced him out of the game. 
But he wrote a lot of work with you, didn't he, for the first few years of your training? Yeah, well, we got very close. Shane was, well, you know, he's my son, but he, he was never really dedicated. He, you know, he he had a lot of ability, and but he 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 wasn't as dedicated as he should have been. Mm-hmm. And um, and he got a thing called Crohn's disease, and they took out half his stomach. And uh, yeah, but he was never. Uh, he was small and and he could have rode for many more years, but he just, you know, he, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. If you, if you don't work hard at it, you're never going to make it, you know. What's he doing these days? Uh, he works at the airport. He just stopped. He, he'd been riding work up, up to probably six months or 12, 12 months ago for John O'Shea and, a horse got off, a, a loose horse ran into him going the wrong way okay. and he broke his tailbone. And, uh, he, yeah, he said he couldn't um, he couldn't trot anymore, so mm. he gave it up. There was one part of the training business that Kevin Moses didn't like. Nominations, invoices and all of those jobs that have to be attended to. Office work was not your go. You were a clancy of the overflow. John, I left school when I was fourteen. I was very, I was very lucky to have Jenny to do. If I ever wanted a letter written or or wrote, you know, or done anything, that Jenny used to do everything for me, and then she did all the all the bills and all that stuff. So yeah, I was, and I. I could have done it if she wasn't there, but because she kept doing it, it was so good. (laughs) And she's very good at it. Now, I'm glad you mentioned Jenny because she is, beyond doubt, the best performer you've ever had in your stable. She was a very good track work rider herself early days, Kev, wasn't she? I know she rode work for Neville Begg, and I think she did some work for Bart Cummings also. No, she she worked for Neville for many years, and then she just right right when she was going to school, and then she left school, and then she had another job, but she's still coming every morning just to ride at work. Mm-hmm. And uh, Neville used to put her on horses that were bad horses, and you know because she used to get on with them so good. Mm-hmm. And as, as I said, when when I first started training. Uh, we we ride together around Centennial Park, and uh, she never rode uh, back at the track then. But um, yeah, but yeah, she's very good rider and a very good secretary. Mm. You would have been in very big trouble without this girl. Well, she would have cost me a lot of money, John, because I would have had to pay someone to do what she does. Uh, so no, she's been very very good for me. Uh, She's a good wife and a, a great mother and a great grandmother. I can't believe your daughter Tanya is 38 years old. Your son Darren is 35. They're both running their own businesses. Yeah, yeah, they're both going good. Uh, Tanya's got a business called Ozzy Appliances mm-hmm. and Darren's got a uh, – he does commercial f- refrigerators um, – his business is called Zub Zero, um, and he's he's got seven trucks on the road. 
So he's uh, he's going very good. You mentioned grandchildren. Hard to believe yeah. you and Jen are grandparents to a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I believe you've become pretty good in the babysitting caper. Jeez. Well, well also Shane's got two also, so Shane's got a five and a three-year-old, so we've got we've got four there, and then we've got Darren's having one in March and Tim's having one in March, so we've got another two coming. Uh, that'll probably see Jenny... Jenny out of the office. Yeah. Um, my, in my training career, we've been after the kids while the others work. We look after them a lot. Um, and they're, they're, they're great to look after. You know, they're, they're very good. And I enjoy it very much. It's different to when you've got your own kids. You're, you're out working trying to earn the money to give everyone a better life and now you've got the grandkids telling them to take them back. Yeah, so I'm very happy with them. You grew up in the Sydney suburb of Kingsgrove. Your mum and dad and your two sisters had absolutely no interest in horses. In fact, and I find this hard to believe, I'm sure you told me once you were actually scared of horses early in life. Is that true? Oh, when I first come into the stables, I was terrifying of them, you know, because I'd never had anything to do with either, except to be at Warragamba Dam, getting led around on a Shetland pony. Mm. That was, and um, we, when, when I was, when I was uh, apprenticed, we used to have to tie the horses up and take the feed and the water out. Mm. And there was a horse called Mr. Mac, mm. and he was a terrible horse. He, and I was so frightened of him. I'd, I used to get $4 a week and I'd pay one guy a dollar a week to make sure he tied him up for me before I'd go in. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was frightened of him. Yeah. Let's go back before your apprenticeship started. You left school at 14, as you said, and you became an apprentice carpenter. That didn't last long. Oh, I, I don't know if I did two or three weeks, but it wasn't long And anyway. Come, he was lived down the street from us, and uh, he just brought me in one day and just said to mum and dad, he says, look, he's just too small. He's not strong enough. Now, whether I wasn't smart enough or, or what, but he could see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my father said I had to go back to school. or He made sure I had to have a trade. Right. And um, then I started, I was a painter for, probably eight days, but they used to hang me on the back of a door and leave me there for two hours. Hung up on doing what? As a painter? Just, just as the painter. No, no, they just hang me there while they went so I wouldn't get in there what road. <laughs> what what so do you I, mean to hang, you, hang you on a hook? Hang me on a hook behind the door. <laughs> yeah. You're not having me on, are you? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. The things that used to happen to kids those days, like, People would go to jail now for them, mm. you know. And even when we first went in the stables, uh, you know, they'd throw you in the dunk pit and put the lid down and, uh, you know, terrible things that used to happen. <laughs> One day they put me in a hay net and hung me in between the two stables and I was, and the university students come in and got me down. You know, I was 
crying my eyes out, but he was sit, sitting there in the nude and in between the lofts. Yeah. Not a pretty sight. It wasn't a sight at all, yeah. Now, Kev, you got very keen on boxing during your days as an apprentice. You had an involvement with the Police Boys Club and also through the AJC Apprentices School. You enjoyed that, I think. Well, John, I, was, I, I won the, the New South Wales state title just before I went into stables and um, Johnny Lewis took a team of all the boys that won the state title to New Zealand to, to the North Island to fight the North Island champions and then to the South Island to fight the champions there. Um, but I was 14. The eldest kid I fought was probably 10, mm. you know, like because it was it was just all weight. Yeah. Um, you soon learn when when a, when someone's a bit bigger and wants to fight you, you, you're not too good. But, yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, I was very, and the same as football. You know, I got picked, and Johnny Duggan got picked in the same team. We played, represented football together. Um, but we were under four stones. We were, we were both 14 years old. The kids that we were playing were 10, you know, so, no, and we, you could play any position you wanted to then because a uh, 10-year-old's not going to tell you what to do, is he? No, <laughs> no, but it's. Um, I was very lucky in in playing reps and and boxing because I was so small fighting young kids. They don't even do it at ten years old now. The police boys have stopped it till you're a certain age now. Mm. But you know, everyone used to go to police boys in those days. Mm. Well, Kev, I think we'll bring the curtain down on segment one of our podcast. When we come back for segment two, we're going to devote quite some time to your distinguished career as a jockey. 2,300 winners for a bloke who was scared of horses. 241 of those winners outside Australia. 100 stakes races, 21 Group 1s and three Sydney Jockeys Premierships. You must be pretty proud of that record. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I started off not knowing what to do. It took me a long time to get going. Um, actually, Jack Green helped me. Um, I got on a horse called Babylon. I was I was ready to move out of Sydney uh, and go to Newcastle because I was riding plenty of winners at Newcastle on every second Saturday and winners at Kembla, but I just couldn't crack it in Sydney. Neville Begg put me on a, a horse called Singing Sands and I won an apprentice race. Uh, then a few weeks later, I rode Queen of Babylon and then I got on Labaraka, uh, not Labaraka, um, Babylina. Mm. And she ran third and Jack Green said, I'm going to run her next week. So I rang up Jack Jones, who I was going to at Newcastle, and just said to him, I won't be there. I'll leave it another week. Well, then she won, and then uh, she won four in a row. And you know, I was starting to get horses from everywhere, and uh, I end up winning the Sydney Premiership, Apprentice Premiership. Premiership. Mm. So it you know, just takes. Look, John, trainers make jockeys. You ride for those good trainers, and um, 
you know, you get the better horses and it just, just helps so much. Mm. That filly that you were so fond of, Babalina, was raced by the Australian Racing and Breeding Stables Limited Syndicate and that concept was put together by a man called George Ryder to give people the opportunity to own little shares in horses. Very little different, really, to the way syndicators operate today. The Arab syndicate raced a lot of fillies and Babalina was one of them. We'll talk about uh, more of Kevin Moses' early winners when segment two begins very shortly. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. 